you've seen it, right? They regret something, and so they go out, and they're like, well, let's get it covered up. Let's get this taken care of, so let's let's replace the old with the new. Let's cover it up, right? And we have a lot of things in our lives, right, that we like to cover up, right, that we kind of like to hide, things that we uh, like to not let anybody in on, right? Our dirty little secrets, are you with me? Come on, those things that we, we want everybody to, to, to know that we have it all together. We want people to think that we're really that polished, that we really made all the good decisions in our life, that we've done all the right things. But really, a lot of times we've got this mess that needs to be covered up. Come on, are you with me? That's me. I know I've done some stupid things in my life, and I look back and I go, man, if I could just do anything to cover that up, then I'd be doing a lot better. How many of y'all are with me? And so we have things like our inadequacies, right? Things that, you know, we're, we're insecure and we just, we just, we're just not there yet, right? And so what we do is we talk a big talk. Come on. We talk a big talk and we're like, hey, I'm really good at this, that, and the other, and I can do this and I can do that. And we start talking all these things. Why? Because we want people to think that we have it all together, that we're not inadequate. In fact, we're plenty adequate to, to handle anything that we need to. Then the other thing that we, that we tr- like to cover up is we like to cover up our weaknesses, right? Are you with me tonight? We like to cover up our weaknesses. So we hide our weaknesses because we don't want people to know we're weak, right? Let me just tell you this tonight. Just because you have weaknesses doesn't mean that you're weak. I mean, you guys have seen all those guys going to the gym before, right? They skip leg workout day, right? Like, like you want to ask him, you say, are those are your legs or are you riding a chicken, right? You want to ask them those things. Why? Because it looks like they skipped leg day, right? And it doesn't mean they're weak. It just means that they didn't, they didn't, they do have weakness. Come on. But that doesn't mean they're weak. So what they didn't do is they didn't work in the area that they were weak, and they just worked on the area that they were already strong in. And so that's what we like to do is we like to cover up our weakness. with, And sometimes we excel at things really good, hoping that nobody will see our weakness. And so we work really hard at things that we're good at. The other thing that we like to cover up is our sin. Right? We like to say, oh, no, man, I don't have any sins in my life and so we, we we make ourselves accountable to people and we say that we're not struggling things why because we want to hover cover it up because because we want people to think we're spiritual right come on we want people to think that we're holy we want people to think that we love god so we say well i don't really have any sins in my life i don't really so when someone asks you, you say well, what are you struggling with you don't go well i'm struggling with this that and the other why because you don't want them to think you're unspiritual You may have noticed we were having some issues uh, with our sound, Uh, so as we were correcting that, we weren't able to get all of the message recorded, so I wanted to go over those uh, notes with you. One of the things that we were talking about is we're trying to cover up issues in our lives, and one of the areas that we cover up, the final area I was talking about, was shame. And when we talk about shame, we're not talking about guilt necessarily when we feel bad for doing something, but shame goes beyond that. Shame is, it deals with who we are, not about the way that we feel about what we've done, but about the way that we feel about who we are. And I truly believe that if the enemy can't get us tangled in to sin, then he will try to imprison us in shame. So rather than getting us to do something wrong, he locks us into this uh, perspective and imprisons us in this idea of shame. 
Romans chapter 5 verse 18 says that Adam's one sin brought condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one, another person obeyed God, many became righteous. So we're all sinners. We call this the doctrine of original sin. We're all born into sin because of Adam's sin, but also available to us because of one person's righteousness, because of their obedience, we can all be made right with God. And that's obviously through Jesus Christ. Now listen, shame is, is not the same as sin, but shame is a result from sin. It's a result from the fall. It's a result from what Adam did. And the problem with shame is shame causes us to hide. Shame hides. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the story of the fall and we see, you know, Adam eating the forbidden fruit. We know the story. We're pretty familiar with that. And it says this happened. Then the eyes of both of them were opened in verse 7. And they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, Where are you? One of the worst things about shame in our life is it destroys our confidence in God. Of, of us walking in God. Not so much necessarily of God's ability, but of our position in God. When we walk in shame, we're always like, man, I just don't know if I'm good enough for God. I don't know if God will use me. I'm not even sure that God likes me. I know he loves me because the Bible says so, but I'm, I'm not experiencing his love. I'm not seeing his love, right? This is shame. This is just shame talking. You might not be living in sin, but you're experiencing all these things because of the fall. So what sin, what shame does is it causes us to hide. So when God shows up, we don't go, hey, God, here I am. We go, oh, uh, I need to go into the other room because I'm unworthy to be here because I'm not supposed to be in the presence of God. But God is saying, if you weren't supposed to be in my presence, then I wouldn't have shown up in the room. So when Adam sinned, his confidence before God was broken. And that's exactly what happens when we live in shame. We don't have confidence to go before God. So we stop praying and we stop worshiping. And we don't ever have time with God by ourselves anymore. Why? Because we are not confident in love before God. We're not confident walking before God and knowing that we're accepted and knowing that we're loved and know, knowing that in ourselves we weren't worthy, but Jesus made us worthy. So sin and shame brings hiding, but God covers. And I love what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. It says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. God made clothes out of animals for them to cover them. Here they were with fig leaves, right? I mean, could you imagine using like leaves for clothing? I mean, every day you're making new clothes, right? Because what happens when they're disconnected? They die. They dry up, right? It might be good for like a day or two, but then you're like, you know, spending half your day covering up so your wife don't see you naked. So God doesn't see you naked. 
Now listen, God, God is a revealer. So we, we could say in some senses that God uncovers. Right? God covers, but God also uncovers things. So God is a revealer. But, but, but listen, God is a revealer, but God never exposes to shame. God exposes to heal. His intention is never to shame us in the process. He reveals things in our lives. Listen, God doesn't come to you and say, listen, you need to fix this because he's, he's, he's a tyrant of heaven and he's mad at you. When God brings an issue to your life, he's saying, hey, why don't you get a little closer to me? Let's do away with this because I want you here. This is what God does. God shows us how cold it is. Then he changes our temperature. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me tonight? Listen, so I love that. Genesis 3, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. So God comes and he changes the covering that they have. Listen, when God did this, first of all, it was personal. When God did this, he showed up. It was personal. I love that. God, God in his infinite knowledge, he knew that Adam had sinned. I love this so much. He knew that Adam blew it. He knew that he blew it. He knew that they ate from the wrong tree. He, they disappointed God like he had every reason to be mad. He had every reason to be frustrated. They blew it. They blew, they blew it for all of us, for all of human history. But God showed up. He showed up in the garden. He walks up, and he doesn't go, Stupid. He just said, who told you you were naked? You know, the enemy always asks questions for accusations. And God asks questions as invitations. When God asks you a question, it's because he wants you closer, not because he wants you away. The enemy, when when he makes questions, he's accusing. He's questioning. And he's usually questioning God or he's questioning you. And he ain't got right, a right to question either one. So it was personal. Secondly, is it was prophetic. Notice that God got away from the temporary coverings of leaves. And he gave them a permanent clothing. A clothing that wouldn't wear out. Something that was made kind of like they were made. Something that was made of leather. Something that would actually protect them from something else. The elements. God created a permanent uh, covering for them. And that's number three is what it was, is permanent. It was prophetic. So listen, even before the beginning, God showed us that there would be someone, that God would provide a sacrifice to cover the sin and cover the shame of mankind. God would send Jesus as a man to die. And I'm telling you that God took an animal that day. He didn't just pull a a fig leaf off a tree. He took a living animal and showed sacrifice because it takes sacrifice to cover sin. It takes sacrifice to cover shame. So God said, it's prophetic. I'm covering you, and I'm going to cover you. Permanent. Permanent, a permanent solution. Let me just say this about God, because it does say that that God covered our shame. But listen, when God covers your shame, He doesn't just cover it and it's still there. He removes it. He puts something over it, but it's not there anymore. He puts something in place of it, but not because it's still there. He actually removes it by His covering. So we're going to talk tonight, just for a moment, 
about walking out of shame. How do we walk out of shame? You guys have heard about this disease called leprosy, right? We, if you've read the Bible, you know that they talk about leprosy a whole lot. And, and leprosy is more than just a skin condition, right? In Scripture, we see that these people, were, they would get these bumps and they would get these white spots on their hands and start going that way and, you know, just start growing and getting all over the place. And then sometimes their, their arm, their, their hands and their feet, they would start, like, losing the nerves. Because how many know that, that uh, leprosy is not just a skin condition? It's actually a nerve condition. Leprosy is much deeper than the skin, but the skin shows that it's there. Are you with me? And so what happens with leprosy is it starts inside and then it starts revealing itself through all these sores and all these kind of things. So people actually end up losing fingers and they end up losing toes because of the nerve damage and the nerve endings aren't strong enough in their fingers and their toes to sustain life anymore. And so what would happen in biblical times is if you were a leper, you didn't just hang out where everybody else hung out. You actually had to move outside of town because, because in those days people hadn't developed the immunities in their body. So it was very, very contagious. Today it's not as contagious as it was then because of medicine, because of immunities that we, we've developed. And so what's happened is they would send these people outside of town. they say, okay, you guys live out here. So outside of the city, they would have all these colonies of lepers living out there. They weren't worried about infecting one another. And they lived out there, and they kind of lived like homeless people, and they lived outside of the city. And, Luke, and if they got around people that didn't have leprosy, they had to go, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. And they had to say that and declare that so the people would get away from them so they also didn't get leprosy. So it says this in Luke, in chapter 5, it says, When Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Now, he had it bad. It wasn't just like a little spot on his arm. It says that he was covered with leprosy. And when Jesus, when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourselves to the priests, and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of the people came to hear him, to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew. I love this, how he just throws it in here. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Here's the story of a man that thought his life was the only way, the, the way he was living it was the only way he was ever going to live it. He was going to live outside of town. And then all of a sudden, one day he got a little bit of hope because he heard that there was this man named Jesus who actually healed people. So he runs up to Jesus and he's like, Lord, if you're willing, I know you could heal me if you're willing. And Jesus said, I am willing. It says that Jesus reaches out his hand. Now listen, you don't touch lepers. So Jesus reaches out his hand and touches the man and says, you are clean. 
Then he says something interesting. He says, go show yourself to the priest. And I'm not going to do the real deep study on that. If you want to look at that, Leviticus, I believe it's uh, chapter uh, 13, talks about this, this ceremony that happened if someone was healed of leprosy or if the leprosy went away and they go to the priest and they do all these things. There's all this pro- prophetic imagery there. If you want to go and do a little Bible study on that, you can do that. But they would go to the priest and the priest was actually the one that would say, you're clean. You can move back into town. But this had to happen. So when Jesus said this, he said this, first of all, to prove that he was Jesus, to prove that he was healing people, that, to prove that he was on the scene. But he was also doing that to say, listen, I want to reinstate you in society. And so what happens is this man, on one of the other versions says that he just ran around telling everybody and the news spread. But some of us are like this leper, Right? And we're clean. And Jesus, has laid his hand on us, he touched us, and he's purified our life, and we're totally clean. We're totally right before God and all this kind of thing. But we haven't done what God required, so what we did is we went outside, and we've kind of lived outside of town still, and we're still living like a leper. We're clean, and we have all the rights to come in. And Jesus actually called us clean, and his authority is higher than anybody else's, but we're still living outside of town. I'm telling you that Jesus wants you to move in town. Jesus has a kingdom. He, he wants you. He's qualified you. He's, he's ready for you to be about the Father's business. Some of us are, are like the leper, and maybe you are clean, but you're still walking around with the old language. Unclean! I'm unworthy. I'm no good. Come on, it's another way that we, that we reveal shame, right? Sometimes we hide it, and sometimes we let everybody know about it. In fact, the most shameful people I've ever met, they're usually, I'm just no good. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. All these things have happened in my life. I'm just terrible. I'm miserable. Does everybody see by my 50 Facebook posts about how much I hate life? Are you with me? I hate life. I'm miserable. Please, everybody, somebody say something. Listen, nobody can say anything to make you feel better. You must understand that Jesus has already said you are clean. By the word I have spoken over you, you are clean. And it's not about the approval. Listen, if you are living in shame, nothing a person, nothing a person other than the man Jesus can say to you anything that is going to change the way you feel about yourself. You've got to come to grips to what Jesus already said over you. Nothing I can do as your pastor, nothing that I can do as your friend, nothing I can do to speak into your life that will make you feel better. It's for you understanding what Jesus has already spoke over your life. That's the only way that you're going to walk out of this shame. It's the only way that you're going to feel better, to function better, to stop being so miserable. Listen, I'm not saying that as an accusation you're miserable, but when you are miserable, you make everybody else around you miserable. And then nobody wants to be around you, so you get more miserable. It's the shame. Jesus is saying, walk out of it. It's time to move into the city. It's time to quit living like a leper. So how do we walk into shame? We're going to spell the word walk tonight. Are you ready? Walking out of shame, number one. Walk in the light of forgiveness. Change your tune. Stop saying, I'm unclean, I'm unworthy, I'm a sinner. No, 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 no. 
I'm a son. I'm clean. I'm righteous. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the beloved of Jesus. I'm connected with the Father's heart. We have communion. We hang out in our garden every day. Listen, Jesus doesn't just cover, and we've talked about this, Jesus cleanses. And he said that to to, to his disciples. He said, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. 1 John 1 verse 7, but if we walk, everybody say walk, in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I love the word purify. Notice he didn't say cover. It says purifies, cleanses from the core to go beyond the cleanliness of the skin to deal with the issues of the heart, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know, one of the things that drives me crazy is um, whenever I, I deal with people or something and they and they apologize, I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's not a big deal. Or I say I forgive you or something. And it's like they apologize and it's done with. And then like five minutes later, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. I'm so sorry, Brooke, right? They're just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? That drives me crazy. Why? Because what they're saying is that I don't really forgive them. They're questioning my ability to love and forgive and just say, hey, it's done. You did something stupid. It's, it's, you did it. It's okay. Now you apologize for it. It's dealt with, right? It's water under the bridge. It's all good. Oh, I'm so sorry. And then five years later, they're still apologizing. That's shame talking. Now, that might not be hardcore, deep shame, but listen, we cannot be people that are functioning with God like this. We can't be every time we get before God, God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry for all When you've already repented. Now, listen, if you're living in sin, repent. If you're living in sin, stop. Change your mind. Quit sinning. Why do I feel so? Because you're living in sin. I just feel so guilty. Are you living in sin? Yes. Well, there you go. Right? Stop it. Stop sinning. Now, are you going to stop sinning completely? Probably not. But you can quit doing that. Come on. And listen, I don't think God's looking for us to be like so well polished that we don't have any things that we're dealing with. But God wants the willing spirit in us that says, Jesus, I am yours. And God, I know I blew up, but he doesn't want us walking around going, oh God, I'm just so sorry. I'm just so miserable. I'm just, I know I'm just your poor, measly servant. You know how much you're going to do for God in that state? None. You're not going to do anything for God. You're not going to do anything for God because you're going to be so caught up in yourself and your shortfallings, and forget about how powerful forgiveness really is. This is not humility, it's insecurity. And it's insecurity in what Jesus did. So stop saying I'm sorry all the time. Walk in the light of forgiveness. God, I thank you that you forgave me. Whatever the sin is, whether it's fevery, or whether it's adultery, or whether it's lust, or whether it's molestation, how deep the sin is, it doesn't matter. The cross is more powerful. So you are free. 
Just walk in the light of forgiveness. Notice it doesn't say there were certain sins. No, it just says sins. All sins. Well, you just don't understand how hard. Now, listen, well, you, you sin hardcore. Come on, how many, you know, the, the people say all sin's the same. All sin is not the same. Read the Bible. All sin will separate you from God. All sin. Little petty sins, right? Gossip, which actually isn't a petty sin to God at all. Adultery, all those things, fornication, all that stuff, right? All the dark stuff. All of it will separate us before God. But listen, there are different judgments for different sin. And by that, it doesn't mean that God's more mad at you because of certain sins, but it means that those things will heap on your life more destruction. Sin bears within itself punishment. So when you sin, when you partner with that, it's going to punish you. It's not God spanking you. I'm so mad at you. How many know that he already did that to Jesus for your sin? (sighs) Is it good tonight? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Number two. Or A. All that Jesus did trumps what you did what he did is more powerful than your sin there's no sin that you can commit or no stupid decision that you can make that's more powerful than what jesus did on the cross there's nothing i know this isn't deep tonight but listen you're loved you're clean stop saying i'm not clean stop saying that if you're not clean then you get before god and you say god i'm not clean and he says okay i'll clean you up and then stop saying it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Shut up. <laughs> Good thing that I'm not God. I get so frustrated. Why are you? Stop it. Believe. Believe. Have faith. So walk in the light of forgiveness. Number two, all that Jesus did trumps what you did. And number three, leave it. But I mean, God forgets. So you can forget it. God forgets it. You can forget it. Now listen, I know that our forgetter doesn't work too good, especially when it's somebody else. Well, I forgive, but I don't forget. That don't sound like forgiveness to me. Listen, the Holy Spirit's not going to go, remember when you sinned? No, 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 no. You know why? Because God doesn't remember. But God's all-knowing. God is all-knowing, But there's one thing he don't remember. There's one thing he don't know about. That's confessed sin. God doesn't know about that. That's sick. That's good news tonight. God God don't know about that. You came to Jesus. You brought it to Jesus. You said, Jesus, forgive me. I'm so rotten. I need you, Jesus. I need your forgiveness. He goes, okay. And then the next day you're like, Lord, forgive me of the same thing. And he's going, what are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. Check, I love this scripture. Micah chapter 7. This, you know, when people say he cast it into the sea of forgetfulness, this is where they're talking about right here. It says, You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. So when we come to him, dismissed. Have you ever gone to court before and had a ticket, right? Or something worse than a ticket? 
And then they had that that thing. No, 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 the stamp that says dismissed. Like I remember once, not a bunch of times, got a ticket, <laughs> right? And I go in. You know, after I completed the the defensive driving score, my wife completed it for me online. Oh, yeah, I was supposed to tell you that, right? And walk into the courtroom, my little certificate, and I turn it in to the the judge, you know, and he looks at it, you know, how he is. This is awesome gavel and gown thing. And he's like, all right, and he hands it to this clerk, right, just sitting there doing paperwork, right, and then they stamp it, dismissed. That's what Jesus did. Dismissed. Put it away. Hey, sorry about speeding, Lord. What are you talking about? Case dismissed. I'm sorry, I can't remember what you're talking about. Oh, but Lord, you're all-knowing. I don't know about that. Oh, Lord, how many times should we forgive someone? <laughs> right? Like seven times. Seventy top seven. Let's just eliminate the dead. Eliminate the dead. Let's eliminate the transgression. Eliminate the fine. Eliminated. So we walk in the light of forgiveness. All that Jesus did trumps what you did and leave it. God forgets so you can forget. And then keep gazing and stop self scrutinizing. Stop self scrutinizing and gaze. The problem with shame is that it's all about us. It's all about us. It's like, well, well, I just, I don't feel this way, and I don't do this, or I did that, and it's all about you. But we're not called to scrutinize ourselves. We're just called to gaze. Y'all ready? You ready to come up, babe? One of my favorite scriptures, this several years ago, I want to say it's probably been like 10 years ago, I, I come across this scripture. I was probably preaching a message similar to tonight about shame, and I come across this scripture in Psalm chapter 34, verse 5, and it marked me like it's my life's never been the same because of this scripture, because I, I have been one that has dealt with shame in my life. And I love what it says. It says, those... Who look to him are radiant. That word radiant there, if you study it out in the Hebrew, it's actually the, the the word is like light reflecting like water, like it's pouring out like water, like ripples of water, but it's light that's radiating. Light rippling out of your face. And it says that this that, that those who look to him are radiant. You know, you've seen radiant people before, right? They're beaming, and you say that? 
They're radiant. And I love this second part right here. Their faces are never covered with shame. Never covered with shame. What is the key? How do I walk through? You believe. You believe all that Jesus talked about. You walk in the forgiveness. Come on. You leave it. You leave it all behind. And listen, you keep gazing. You keep looking at Jesus. You stop looking at yourself. You stop scrutinizing yourself. You stop talking about how rotten you are and how pitiful you are. Because those that look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God.